Welcome to the OFS Chats podcast with your host, Peter Mebe. Unfortunately, Mbali is not in the picture today, so she won't be hosting this episode. Uh, so I've taken the ranks of the host. Uh, so this is typically not my route, but I will do my best uh, to ensure at least you guys get a very dope episode as a host. As you can see, it's season two, episode nine. Uh, so yeah, it's been two seasons. Uh, we're about to wrap it up. Uh, but we truly appreciate all the people who've been listening and supporting the podcast for the past year and a few months. Uh, but we keep the show going. As you can see by the title today, we're going to be t- covering a topic that is very, very important, uh, especially for a young person in South Africa. And you've ever thought about getting property or just had a level of interest about property, the property market. One day, want to own your own house for maybe when you want to start a family. You want to own property for the sake of investment or you just want to have something in your name that you at least you can say you know i can use as collateral for something in the future uh so today we're going to be talking about property uh, a very dope conversation uh, that you should look forward to and we have a very amazing group of guests that will be there for you to, to explain exactly the intri- intrinsic parts about owning property how to get started. Um, you also hear from their experiences owning property, working in the property market. And it's just a lot of gems that are going to be shared in this episode. Uh, but please feel free to grab a pen, paper, notebook, open your notes app on your phone. And yeah, look forward to a lot of informative information. It's going to be shared by our amazing group of guests. Uh, but just before we proceed with the episode, let's just give an introduction of who our guests are. And yeah, enjoy the episode. Ciao. By the OFS collector. Yeah, my name is Sebastian Chimbembe. Uh civil engineer, you know, as a profession. Uh well, look, uh I manage projects, right, in construction, general construction, and uh so that alone uh, you know, uh, it, it came down to, you know, uh maximizing my 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 desire into properties because I build the properties you know for clients and so uh so one day I just thought of actually trying to do it for myself. So yeah, so I'm a civil engineer, I'm you know, I'm a property investor. Yeah, and I'm based in the mini Um my name is Tatlachum Tembu. I'm an attorney by profession, uh, also a conveyancer. Uh, I practice at Taman Paul Attorneys um, and I've been practiced for the past six six years, yeah. Um, and I'm also based in, in Midrand. Uh, my name is Chabo Mchua. Uh, I'm from Benoni, uh, but now I stay in Blackpan, in the Far East. Um, I'm a property investor. I focus on rent to buy and installment sale uh, strategies. And I also specialize in credit repair. 
Um, hi guys, um, Ayanda, I'm based in Durban, originally from Joburg, um, but I've been in Durban for the past, uh, I think, two years now. I'm a real estate agent by profession, um, focusing on residential and a bit of commercial real estate. Yeah, that's me. Hey everyone, my name is Moikezi and I'm in finance and I, I'd like to say I'm a property enthusiast. I've got property that I own that I'm actually renting out. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. And I'm based in Melrose. By the OFS collector. It's about relating to property, you know, there's the question about capital. So even when we're speaking about cars, you know, you need money, you know, you need to work. And unfortunately, living in a country where there's a lot of unemployment, Young people are not necessarily getting high wages. Um, also issues such as black tax. And I think that's why I asked the question. And I also asked the biggest request you've had, you know, people from a young age get into debt uh, from a young age. And that's maybe leads to the financial regrets at a young age. Now, the question is, um, what do you think is the biggest misconception about entering to the property or buying a house in your view? And maybe start with Sebastian, then we'll just go back to the same sequence. What do you think is the biggest misconception when it comes to entering the property market? And just keep your answer short, but just explain yourself as best as possible. What do you think is the biggest misconception in your view? Yeah, uh, look, man. Uh, look, I'll just tell people again. I mean, people need to do their homework before they go to, into any sort of uh, businesses or any uh, journey they're trying to embark themselves with. You know, because I personally, what I did is before before I can actually demystify any of those uh, uh, misconceptions, I had to do my homework. What I did is I read a lot of books into properties. So for me, the misconception really is uh, they think properties once you you know once you purchase it or once you acquire it, it starts already generating the money. Whereby there's a lot of things that comes behind it. You know, you have to first like location. You know, location is you know something that you need to consider. You know, so the misconception is they think when you when you buy the house you make the money immediately. Whereby, no, it doesn't work like that. When you buy a house, you gotta attract the tenants. So you only get to attract the tenants when you know when this uh, specific property or this piece of land you have, whatever, yeah, you might consider as a real estate is well located. You know, so uh, the biggest misconception is. They think money is always there, you know, once you're acquired. Well, money will be there for, for sure eventually, but you need to know what it takes to have the money being generated from this piece of, uh, of, of asset that you're buying for yourself. Yeah, that's, you know, well, uh, that's, that's my view on that. Yeah. Moketi, uh, what do you think on that take? Uh, what is the biggest misconception in your view? And especially in the context of money and credit, what is your view on that? So my thing is, I think like a lot of people have this thing that like getting property and uh, uh, automatically becomes like an asset. And I think we need to demystify that because that's not the truth, right? When you go and you, unless you buy cash, right? Or unless you get, um, you know, something that literally generates income, then you can call it an, like a particular asset. And for you to actually, let's say, um, you know, get into the property market, you need to have patience because unfortunately, another end of the stake is that, like another way that the particular property can be an asset is if, you're, if you hold it long enough to actually, you know, convert it into equity, right? So that's like, that, that's like another thing that people need to actually take into account. So property, when you go to the bank and you, 
ask for credit, it's actually a liability. So your net asset value is sitting at a negative, right? And and I think we need to have like really better conversations really um, about that. And speaking, um, really just agreeing with uh, Sebastian is that you need to take time to investigate what you're actually getting yourself into. I mean, a 20-year uh, financial commitment is such a strong financial burden. It's actually, if you think about it, worse than black tax because depending on how you're going about like your black tax, you could literally have a situation where you are helping one particular person and empowering them so that they can actually take, you know, a, a care of the load. And, and that can be like, you know, uh, like a good five or six years and that's it. But a 20-year commitment is such a long commitment, right? And you you also don't know how the financial market is going to go, how the economy is going to go. People lost jobs. And I think last year was such an important time for people to realize that actually it was the bars market, right? And property values were not growing as much as they, uh, you know, historically were actually um were actually growing. So um, I think the most important thing is just to really understand that it's it's first a liability and for you to convert it into an asset, it needs to make money and it can either make money as a rental property, right? And even in that space, you need to make sure that you are able to cover all, all, all your costs and make like a little bit of profit. So this is rates, taxes, you name it. But also, um, as young buyers, we tend not to be patient enough to hold the property long enough to actually realize the equity. So because if you buy a property and you sell it within five years, unless your business model is to buy and flip, then then that's fine. But if you're planning to hold property and you sell it within five years, actually renting was a better decision than buying because there's a lot of costs that actually, um, you know, included initially buying like a house, like lawyers fees, transfer fees, you name all of that, maintenance and whatnot, that if you're not sure about where you really want to be stationed, then then renting would be a better choice. So yeah, so I, I think those are the most important conversations that we need to really speak about because banks are repossessing a lot of the properties that are out there on the market. Yeah. You raised an interesting point. And, you know, I've always had the view and even just preparing the episode, there was a discussion where I was making notes with the team and they were saying property is an asset regardless. As soon as you've signed the letter with the bank or you've signed an agreement with the bank, you have an asset to your name. Uh, but I think you've raised an interesting point. Tabo, what is your view on that? And I think there's also an extension to that question. Uh, we spoke about, you know, obviously black tax, but if there's a misconception with property, and that's if you believe there is a misconception with property, is there space for us to, is there platforms or spaces where we can get educated, young people get educated easily? And should that be something related to our education system about assets and property and you know, liabilities? Tabo? All right. Um, just like all, uh, Sebastian said, um, education is key, whether, regardless of whatever industry you want to go to. Now, relating to real estate, there are different industries, I mean, uh, different strategies you can go to, whether you are, you want to be a, you're buying a property as a primary residence or as an investor. Um, there's always definitely need to educate yourself because if you're buying it for residential, just it's a primary residence, um, you need to know the transfer costs uh, that, that, that are involved, the maintenance costs and all the kind of stuff. Now, as an investor, um, it's either, as the previous speaker said, it's either buy to hold, you rent to rent, um, you rent, uh, flip, and then you, you refinance. Um, um, the ones that I do is uh, installment sale and rent to buy, which is that, that one that one's, uh, they, they don't actually 
uh, involve much capital uh, to actually go into the in, into the industry, which is um, mainly what 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 it does is um, you have control of the property but not ownership of the property. So you've got control of the whole deal from uh, 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 from inception. Okay, not uh, you get a property, uh, you, you you rent it out from from the owner, and then when you rent it out from the owner. Um, this one actually requires minimum capital, but with each strategy, there's always the risk involved. Now, depending where you are on, on, on whether uh, financially where you are or even your age, uh, you need to research which uh, strategy will actually work best for me and for, for uh, my financial situation where I'm at right now. Now, in terms of knowledge as well, there's a lot of uh, uh, in the information age. There's a lot of uh, platform can go to your show, for, for instance, the, the podcast. Is, uh, can follow people create content, whether on on YouTube, whether on on on, on Instagram, on LinkedIn. Um, uh, there's somebody that is, that is, uh, I remember I was watching a TED talk. He was um, um, talking about um, uh, your, your network. So he was saying that um, 33 percent needs to be people who are below you. I mean, where you are right now, you need to percent people who are below you, people who can able to inspire, you know what? Um, this is what you can do to get to where I am, this is what you do, all that kind of stuff. And then the other one is people who are on the same level, where you guys share ideas and on how to get to the next level. And obviously, the other last 33% were people who are above you. That's where your mentors, your, your coaches, your business coaches, that's where, that, that's where, and you're going to find these people on, like I said, they're everywhere. You, you can, and they're easily accessible through LinkedIn. You speak to the person directly through um, uh, Instagram. You DM the person directly. Like it's, they're definitely easily accessible. Now, going back to the question of, of um, um, uh, uh, the, the, the misconceptions, misconceptions of uh, the property market or the property industry, um, as as the previous uh, Sebastian and the previous um, um, speaker said. It's it's <laughs> um, property. It's it's you definitely need to do your homework. You definitely need to do your homework, and um, uh, yeah, yeah, that's all I can say. You just need to do your homework and know which strategy works for you. And like I said, the, the one that I'm, uh, I I specialize on is rent to buy, whereby people come to me and say, you know what, uh, my credit's dented, um, but I want to buy a property. I say, okay, no problem. Um, which property, which area are you looking for? And that's why I'm looking for this area and all that kind of stuff. I say, okay, uh, send through your, your, your credit report. And through your credit report, you can see, okay, uh, this person had an, uh, an account with, with the retail, retailers, it used to say, like, so now um, the, the credit bureau is supposed to record accurate information about you. Now, the first thing is you scrutinize the information that um, uh, the first on your credit report. Say okay, um, Edgar says here yeah, you on, on, on your statement on your credit report says that you owe uh, three thousand, uh, but then on your statement, the statement that you write it says you owe one thousand five hundred. So this is discrepancy. So we can able to uh, dispute this and say no, they need to update this information. And if not, then they must remove it from from from, from the report. Now usually um, because uh, Edgar is such a big company. Um, they have to go through the reports. They have to check, okay, when was the last payment? The other kind of, uh, uh, the credit bureau, this is trans, you know, experience, will give them 21 days to report back to them. So, you know what, 
um, Peter has a, a, a dispute with, with his account. Now, um, I'm giving you 21 days to, to, to dispute this report. Now, like I said, uh, 21 days is really not much for, for, for these big companies. Then come to at the 21 days, EdGas um, has not reported to credit uh, bureau uh, to TransUnion Experian. Then Experian said, not going to remove this from your credit report. So that, that's what I do. I do credit repair. So while, while that person is renting the property, I do credit repair. You check, okay, um, based on, 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 on your... Um, on your on your on your credit report um how long are we able to fix your credit report or, or legally though how are we able to uh, fix your credit report uh, whether it's six months or 12 months now with the with the seller uh, my agreement is i always go as long as long as possible but the buyer always go, go as short as possible the reason being is um sh should the buyer need more time at this after the leverage so they cannot um, uh, the same sense, uh, uh, we've agreed on a six months period. I'll say, okay, um, I haven't able to deliver within that six months, but we're definitely on track. So I need an extra month. So I can able to go an extra six months because I've got an agreement with the owner, with the seller for 12 months. So like I said, with, with, with real estate, you definitely need to know which, which, which strategy fits you best and then how best can it suit you. No. Yeah. Thanks, Tabo, for that. Yeah, and you know, credit repair is something that obviously a lot of young people will probably need help with, uh, especially we don't even understand the nature of credit and, you know, what exactly, how do you even go about fixing your credit? Because as soon as you start working or you start having an income, you get started getting calls from different companies, closing cars, you know, so forth. But I think it's a good it's a good subject, and I think related property when you can help someone fix that whilst also getting into the property market. Because some people think I need to get a perfect get a clean slate, and then I'll enter the property market. Katlebo, um, I don't know if what's, what's your view on so far on the discussion about misconception, but maybe let me move the conversation to, and you spoke about education as something that's important, you know, and to know what exactly is going on. How do, what do I start thinking about? And maybe the question to you is, if you're a young person, you know, there's always the question about, okay, you need to get your credit in, in order. But what else, what other genetic first level stuff that a person needs to start putting as a tick-off when you want to start thinking about getting property, especially when it leads to costs. Can you afford it and so forth? But what is your view on what are the tick-offs that someone needs to start thinking about? I need to get this sorted in order before I get into owning a property, whether for investment or for residential. So I think the biggest misconception is the process itself. Um, the, the, so once you get, you've got the bond approval from the bank is that a lot of people don't understand there's the, the legal aspect of it, which is the conveyancing portion that we do. Um, and also the, the timeframes that are required. So to register a, a property from Katlejo to Tabo, you're looking at around about three months. So you need to budget accordingly to that time period. And then secondly is uh, what also the guys touched on, which is the transfer costs as well as the bond registration costs. So those are the costs that you pay to, to us as the conveyances to register the, the, the property on your behalf. And another aspect that you need to consider is the transfer duty. So that's, um, that's uh, tax that you pay to SARS for passing transfer of the property. Now, it's also uh, nice to know that it, uh, the, the transfer duty aspect you exempt from a million rand and below. So if you're buying a property that's a million rand below, you exempt from that. 
and uh, properties that are above a million, then um, you'll then be liable to pay transfer duty to SARS. And another misconception or uh, uh, financial experts that uh, people need to consider, especially first-time home buyers, is issues of levies if you're buying into a sectional scheme, uh, municipal rates um, to, to counter that you'll need to pay, as well as the insurance portion. Um, so um, there's life, life uh, cover that you need to then look in. And that's in the case where, for example, you've bonded your house for 20 years, and in between that, um, a death occurs. And instead of leaving your family with the debt of that million rand uh, loan that you've taken out to the bank, you see that to an insurance broker or insurance company, um, and after your death, then that will be uh, settled with the bank. So I think from a financial perspective, uh, that's the misconception in which we, we need to educate. Thanks, that's, that's, you know, you just mentioned the muscle I never actually knew about, and especially the aspect about if you're buying property below 1 million for the tax aspect. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely of value to kind of learn those kind of things and, you know, navigating how do you go about that. Ayanda, and, you know, you've heard the con- context about misconception. And the pricing. Now I want to ask you about the context about your you work as a as a property practitioner, and a young person comes to you, and there's a discussion about urban versus rural or gasi versus town city. Now someone says, "Okay, I have capital." There's a the, there's a debate about where do I put my money? Let's say it's, let's look at it from an investment aspect. Uh, or even maybe we can even look at it from a residential aspect. Where should my money go to? And what is your view, especially in your field as a property practitioner? Uh, that, that's, a, that's quite a, a tough question, uh, specifically because, you know, I, 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 I specifically work in certain, certain areas, uh, for example, mostly in, uh, you know, in urban areas. I haven't really had an, uh, an experience with, uh, you know, um, probably places in the outskirts uh, and whatnot. But um, if, if, if you're looking to invest, um, I would like to think that uh, urban areas uh, would be the best uh, place to, uh, you know, to, to put your money in because, you know, um, obviously because of its pro- proximity, to um, uh, jobs, transport. Uh, for example, if you're in Durban, the ocean's right here. You know, there, there's just so many different things that you know you, you can get to easily. Uh, you understand? You, you don't want to be in a situation where you always have to commute to you know to a far place to get what you need. So obviously, for if you're an investor, it's easier for you to get a tenant uh, in a place that's closer to two things, understand? So uh, I think for me, that would answer that question. So uh, I really wouldn't wanna, you know, speak on, you know, the you know township areas because I'm really not uh, too experienced in it, okay? Uh, but also what I wanted to, to, to speak on, you, you did ask about, you know, uh, first time home buyers, um, you know, the, the young, young guys. So people really get scared because um, Katleko is a conveyancer. He might know about this. People really get scared when they hear about transfer costs. For example, uh, transfer and bond costs. For example, um, let's just say a property is worth six hundred thousand. Um, you know, you know, for a six hundred thousand rand property, 
are just estimating. I think the transfer costs on their own would be about, I don't know, 20-something K, and then the bond cost would be about, you know, a roughly 20-something K as well. So a young guy is like, oh, my God, now i got to pay for close to 40,000 rand extra costs. You know, then they just run away. But uh, convey, like, okay, what you need to understand is that as much as you want that property, uh, agencies, banks, and conveyances also want your business. So they really are willing to come to the party. You know, it's, no one's doing you a favor by, you know, selling your property. They, all, they also want the business. So conveyances are willing to, one, negotiate their rates. Two, they're also willing to, you know, um, for example, if you, you, you know, Karteko did say that it's a three-month process. They can also split split that cost up, you know, in a three month, um, you know, you know, three month three three month installments. Understand? So sometimes first time home buyers hear you know hear about the costs and then they quickly just run, you know. But that's not the case. People really are willing to assist you because obviously, the more clients you assist, the more business everybody gets. So people are willing, really willing to come to the party. And then um, I, I want to speak about maybe if, if, if you're an investor as well, obviously it's very important to um, do your homework. So it's also important to decrease your cost as much as possible. For example, you can change your lights from, from municipal to, um, to thingy, to prepaid. You can also get a water meter on the flat. You know, there's so many ways to decrease your cost as, as the, the owner, understand. So people need to be willing to look into that. Um, yeah, basically, yeah, I think, um, and then also if, if you're an investor, the last thing, uh, you know, just do your due diligence, um, in the area. If you don't want to do it on your own, get an agent who can assist you with valuations so you can see for the past five years, have the, have the values been increasing in this area? Is there any shacks around? Um, and then you ask yourself, if, if I was a tenant, why would I want to live in this property? You understand? So just look at your surroundings and, you know, basically don't just buy a property because it's cheap or affordable. You just, you need to understand that yeah. why would somebody want to buy a property? Uh, I mean, rent, rent your property. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Ayanda. Yeah, it, 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 it's something, you know, when you put yourself in the hands of the the, the feet of, of the tenant or you also put that kind of aspect and also the point that you made about the costing and you know splitting out the, the pricing for three months it's obviously something that you know is worthwhile to learn and just understand so I think those discussions are worthwhile and I think people like Akleko would be well enough but I, maybe to ask the other, the other guests as well the topic about urban rural Kasi um let me go to Sebastian. I'm not sure if Olivia wants to join in as well. Uh, but Sebastian, you heard the question. What is your view on that? If you're if you're you're first time or second time, you're still in the early stages. You're not sure. You are not an expert in the space of property. Where do you put your money in? In your view, what what is your, your personal view? Of course. No, definitely, man. Thank you for the question, Peter. Look, uh, I mentioned earlier location, right? Location is my favorite word when it comes to properties, you know, property world. Like, you know, location, location, location. Those are three words. Location, location, location. So for me, for uh, look, for me, it's always urban, right? It's urban. Why? Because that's where I'll see myself living. Because remember, you got to ask yourself, what you buying for yourself as an asset, right? To you know, to eventually you know, you know, place someone there, right? You have, you got to ask yourself, wait, wait me as a virgin, you know, will I live in this property myself, right? If the question is no, 
look, man, don't buy it. You know, uh, I know we all have got, you know, our own lives, you know, like differently, you know, because I work in Centurion, you know, would I live in Suntech? Well, transport-wise, it, you know, it cost me, you know, quite a lot of money, right? But now, for me, it's always urban. Well, not always urban, uh, because I've got uh, one of the plots actually way uh, uh, on the outskirts of uh, uh, PTA CBD. So uh, I own that because most of my tenants, you know, work nearby, you know, so... Uh, even before I got it from my cousin, I said, look, man, uh, would someone actually walk to buy bread? You know, would someone uh, literally drive less than a kilometer to, you know, to pump in fuel? And the answers was, uh, I mean, the, uh, the answers were yes. And then uh, and I told my cousin, look, I'll buy this thing from you. So let me just acquire it. And then, uh, yeah, and that's it. And everyone's happy right now. And uh, so it depends what your tenants are looking for, really, you know, and it all depends. When I say uh, urban, Heaven's the easiest answer because we've got everything surrounded, right? Uh, I've got, you know, like, you know, pumping stations nearby. I've got uh, my spa, you know, all these retailing companies around. So, uh, yeah, so it's urban and also look for, for other areas. Like, look, in rural, right, you got to know what's the plan that, you know, that the government has got for, you know, what's the, what's the upcoming, uh, you know, construction developments around, you know. And uh, that, that was speaking to my friend, who is from Limpopo from Zanin, you know, like you told me, Sebastian, look, why can't we go in Limpopo and buy land? I said, okay, what's the plan there? I mean, you know, how does five years, 10 years look like in that, you know, specific area, right? So if there's, you know, if there's uh, services laid over by the municipality already, you know, whereby they're planning on, you know, uh, essentially, you know, developing this area, definitely I'll buy a land there. Right. So for me, it really depends. For personally, it's urban for now. So it all depends what you have in surroundings. You know, as I said earlier, for me, <laughs> the favorite word for me really in all this uh, you know, property universe is location. Location is is you know what I normally put first. So yeah, for me it's urban. Yeah, definitely. Location, location, location. I'll, I'll take note of that. Uh, now maybe let me move to Mogget. Um, and you've heard the question. And even just during the, the initial discussion with, with the panel uh, before we go into the episode. On law on social media, you see a lot of people saying, okay, okay, like maybe Sebastian or Ayanda said, you know, urban, maybe something to look at. But if I go to the bank and I'm maybe on a property, I look, I look on property 24, I see a property there in urban spaces going for whew, million, I don't know, 800,000. But if I go to Venda and I just look at some empty space that's not vacant, at least I want to get a property in my name and it's cheap. Maybe I can even build from scratch, just get land and just build from scratch. What is your view on the aspects of, you know, what, what kind of things should you kind of take note of when choosing location in your view? I think, especially when you want to look at, uh, I think the, the most important thing is what is your intention uh, about that property, right? And also how long are you planning to actually hold that property? Because what plays a major role, and Sebastian actually touched uh, on that, is that, um, you know, property values normally appreciate based on demand and supply. And obviously, people want to be in places where there's like developments and whatnot, you know. So, for example, with the how train being, you know, passing through certain parts of Johannesburg or let's say the whole of uh, Johannesburg and Pretoria, those values actually went up, right? So the plan is very important. I mean, rural areas have been synonymous where the land is not really worth much. You know, uh, you can get the land for next to nothing and you end up, you know, having, you know, um, 
um, you know, having issues maybe with insurance as well, because, you know, uh, the land does not really appreciate it at like a high value as what you would actually uh, consider from an urban point of view. But I just wanted to touch on something, right, that people don't really speak about and we don't really you know, speak about tax when it comes to, or tax planning when it comes to uh, buying property. Um, so part of the urban development zone, so this will be most skewing towards urban, was that there was a section 13 quad, right? So so, so, thir- uh, so section 13 quad was really aimed at, you know, making people to kind of, you know, go back to the urban development zone. So obviously the government would uh, definitely decide what is de- uh, defined as like an urban de- uh, uh, development zone. And in most cases it would be like around, let's say, um, you know, the abandoned places like around Johannesburg and there have been new developments there. And that's something that people can really get into where you would buy in in like an urban development zone, but the requirements, like one of the major requirements is that you need to be a first-time owner in that space. But another click to that would be you would have to actually, let's say if you're planning to use the property as rental property, you would have to declare it as trade. Now, the benefit in doing that is that you're able to claim allowances against your personal income. And as conversations that Black people are not really speaking about, right? Because I suppose information is not really there. I mean, even when it comes to credit scores and what you should be doing, you know, maybe six months prior to going to the bank and asking for certain loans and like whatnot. It's not a conversation that we should speak about because we are new to this. Um, whereas like our white counterparts really understand what like it means to have like a credit score, what the credit score really looks like, what are the variables that actually um, implicate like a credit score and like whatnot. So I just feel like there's a lot of information, but there's things that people need to consider. Like you said, location, but why that particular location as well, right? And, and someone might say, oh no, but in certain urban areas, the place is quite, you know, expensive. I can get a bigger plot um, somewhere else. But have you considered that, you know, the bigger the place, uh, the bigger the maintenance, right? There's like a lot of things that people need to consider. I mean, just fencing around, um, you know, your property is very expensive. But it's those type of conversations that we need to start thinking about. Like you must not think one dimensional and buying with your heart, um, especially when the plan is for property to be used for something else. I think go in there to have like a clear vision in terms of what is the plan, right? What is my cash flow looking like? What is my credit looking like? But also exhaust some of the tax planning loopholes that are there or actually given to us that we can actually explore. And you can find yourself actually paying less tax. Let's say if you're on the 41% personal tax, you can claim some of those things. And once you um, declare it as trade, you can even, if let's say you you get like a place, let's say now there was a place in Bram Heights, where uh, you could literally buy and you could also claim Section 11 um, uh, uh, E on like the financial fittings as well. But unfortunately, Section 13 quite the like the end date was the 31st of March 2020. But you could always just be look out for other things as well, because I mean, the government is also trying to develop, you know, like the urban areas as well. So when you buy, yes, buy in the city, but also be aware of if you are, buying in a first-time development, there's other things that you can actually claim that can actually help you in your pocket. Because then when you go do your tax returns, you can get money back and a lot of money over like a five-year period. So consider all, all of those things. But I definitely agree with Sebastian when it comes to location. It's very important. It's the most fundamental thing out of everything when it comes to buying property. 
Sheesh. Um, so much gems being dropped today. Location, tax, costs. Yeah, uh, nah, it's, it's definitely something that, you know, you never think about. And this is the danger and the fear I have is that, you know, when you start thinking about, I want to get into a space and there's not much communication, dialogue, like you mentioned, around young people and even our elders, our parents, they themselves, probably how they got into property was, you know, just, you know, a small development space in a rural development area that was just revamped for other reasons. Tabo, what is your view on this aspect? But maybe let me also extend past this kind of conversation. Uh, obviously, you as an individual, you're into property investment, you also do debt repair. The costing of getting to property, and there's this question that speaks to how much capital should one think about? You know, it's people typically, there's a narrative that you need a lot of capital to get into property. Is that sort of true um, or it's sort of not true? Um, what is your view on capital. that? Capital. Um, as I mentioned earlier, um, that actually you need to know and investigate which strategy you want, which strategies are out there and which one would you like to pursue? Like I said, um, the one that I pursue is that I have control of the, of the um, transaction, but I don't have ownership of the property. Now, to others, it might be a huge risk to them. So uh, depending, like I said, on you need to research each strategies and how best can it, best can it suit you. Now, with um, I, I, I'll make an example. Now, with, with, with the one that I've been focusing on is, um, I would first look at the property, find the property, and then I would do my due diligence, um, look at the numbers. Do the numbers make sense? Now, if the seller is willing to uh, give in the property for, let's say, just make an example, for a million, and then the owner is saying that um, the, the property is currently vacant, um, but I'm willing to take a rental on it, and you can give me, you can buy the property within a year. Now, what I do in turn is I, 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 like I said, I do the numbers, find out how much does the units or the property or the house rent in the area versus how much the, 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 the owner is asking. And then I'll check um, for the last sold prices, not how much the, the, the property is on the market. Because that's a different indication. You need to check how much the, the, the properties in the area last sold for. That's the most important information. And then what I do is, um, on my first property, what I did was I, I found I found an apartment. It was in 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 And then what I did was um, the numbers make sense. And then at that time I didn't have much capital, so I I I looked within my network. Okay, um, so and so has got money. So and so has got capital and all the kind of stuff. So now I present myself. Okay, I've got this deal. Um, you're looking at potentially making uh, eighty thousand. Now we're going to divide the eighty thousand between uh, amongst the two of us. Now um, I present the idea to four people. Three of them agreed. Now um, I've sourced the property. I've 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 I've, I've calculated how much does it cost to uh, maintain and keep the property, and uh, how to get a tenant, and also. Um, include rental insurance because I, I need to guarantee um, that, that that the investor will definitely get their money. So that's when the, the, the rental insurance comes in. And then uh, uh, um, I would 
also in, in, include the cost of renovations. But uh, I do cos- cosmetic renovations, whereby it's just you know painting, maybe uh, tiling in one room, not not ma- major ma- major uh, renovations. And then that will definitely will 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 increase the, the property values a little bit. So I can able to ask for depend on the area. I can able to ask for um, a higher price. So um, with that with with, with 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 that kind of strategy, I I, I always source the deal first. And then I will focus on funding based on my network because of that first property. Uh, when I advertise, there are a lot of investors that will come in. So I keep a database of um, uh, uh, investors. So most of them right now, I partner with them. So we can go half half and all that kind of stuff. But the previous one, the first one, the first two, three properties, it was where I sourced the deal. And then, so you can watch, I sourced the deal. Uh, this is for, for, for my uh, part, for, for what I've put in, this is how much I'm looking for. And then that, that's how I'm able to... Uh, 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 able to uh, collect money in order we can I, I can able to partner with um, my investors in, in different proper in different properties look like i said even earlier strategy is important education is important you need to educate yourself i i, I started with um i, I read a book uh, that's how i started investing in property this was in, in 20 2012 um uh investing in property uh, uh what is it by by jason lee how to invest in property in, in South Africa. I bought that book. Um, uh, I learned, that's, that's how I, 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 I learned the, the trade in the industry. We started to use where to go and all that kind of stuff. That's how I started. And then I, I decided uh, years later to focus on a specific strategy after I've read and it, it taught me a lot. It really taught me a lot. That's how I started. And then I started subscribing to YouTube channels. I started subscribing to uh, even on, on, on LinkedIn. I followed people who are property investors. And then that's how I got to learn. Like even at this stage, I'm still learning. Yes, I know a couple, but I'm still learning. Education is definitely key. Uh, this, is, this is just a reoccurring point that is important. You know, education is really important. And, you know, it's, it's always a question about just trying to enter something and just giving it a level of risk. You know, I, I work in risk and you know, it's my, my job is risk, financial risk and risk. You, know, some, you have to take some form of risk, but obviously to make it very generic, you have to be very educated and understand the kind of risk and the kind of context of exactly what are you in economic terms or opportunity cost of doing one thing versus another. Uh, but I, I really appreciate the point about education and even like the idea of entering property, not just as an individual, but also utilizing your circle is also important. So I think that's something that can also be looked at for a lot of young people. Katleko, and maybe I'll go to all of you after that. The, there's a question that was raised by one of my peers in anticipation for this discussion about sectional titles, what is that, freehold, what is that? And this tends to be a mis, mis, misconception about these things and uh, are they the same thing? But furthermore, in terms of costing, if, if you are someone who wants to be a tenant, for example, maybe just to move away from also just being an owner, but also maybe if you wanted to be a tenant in a property or even want to own property, what exactly does it entail in terms of sectional titles if that's something you are familiar with? and also aspects of costs that relate to that. Okay, so just to briefly explain what a sectional title is and behold. So a sectional title is that you live in a scheme and the scheme normally would comprise of a minimum of 10 units um, and a maximum to a thousand units. 
So what this what this would then require you is to have a, 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 a consortium or a board uh, led by at least a, a quorum of three people, and then based on that, you would have obviously a consensus regarding maintenance of the scheme, um, the, the security of the scheme, as well as the levy that you would impose on the uh, on the owners of the of the scheme. So the levers would cover those basically four things. Um, and you would have then uh, ownership of your units as well as a, sh- a share of the common area, which would be the parking bays, uh, the park, the pool, and the clubhouse to an extent. And, and you'd have a share of that. Um, the restrictions on that is that obviously there's rules that um, the, the board would then impose, uh, things like music, um, where to park, um, the color of the house, uh, and it. And and the advantage of that is that you'd find uniformity um, throughout the scheme, as well as the security. Obviously, we live in South Africa, and we know the, the risks involved in that. So those are the pros and cons in, in, in living in a scheme. And um, we in in in, in my field, we're finding a lot of first-time home buyers are going towards living in the scheme because, um, firstly, it, you can uh, it's, it's a lock and go. Um, the security is there. Uh, as well as the price range in which most of these sectional schemes fall under is the affordability, is the affordable market, which is just below the million rand market. And um, uh, the freehold stand is, is your traditional pre-stand home, where you then have full ownership of the, of the house itself and, and, and the borders around it. Obviously, the, the advantage of that is that you can paint your own uh, color of the house. There's no rules that are imposed on, on, on you, um, as well as there's no levies. Uh, the only fee that you'll pay is the council fee that you're rating taxes, um, as well as then um, the, the necessary maintenance that you then um, uphold. So from a, from a, a needs perspective, it's, it's all up to the individual. Um, are you someone that travels a lot? Will you need high security? Are you someone that's starting a family that needs a huge um, uh, um, space in which uh, kids can stay? Um, but ideally, is um, for a first-time home buyer, you'd want to get into that um, low-cost housing space. Um, yeah, so that's hopefully answer. Thanks, Katlego. Uh, I really appreciate that. At least, you know, just understand the difference. Some that most come most necessarily is. Not necessarily discussed and understood unless obviously there's someone who's already spoken to someone who's maybe a financial advisor or someone who works in the property space. Uh, but yeah, Olivia, I don't know if you can just put chip in as well on, on the discussion so far. I know you joined a bit late. Uh, just give everyone an introduction of who you are, exactly what you do and where you're based. I think for the sake of time, because I was hoping we just want to wrap up by 12. If you need to leave early, uh, just please just leave a message uh, in the Zoom chat and just say you need to leave early. But I'll try my best to at least try cap the meet the the session at least up to maximum half post twelve max. But if we can end earlier, the better. Uh, but yeah, Olivia, the floor is yours. There was a topic, obviously, the discussion about what is your concepts about location, um, also the aspects about tax. Thank you, Peter. It's uh, it's quite tough to follow up after such exemplary com- contributions from everyone. 
um, to your point, definitely a lot one has taken away. So I won't try, I won't repeat what people have said. Um, just a few little things for me personally with regards to this topic. Um, you spoke about, you know, urban versus rural and so forth. And I just want to highlight a couple of years back, I was involved in a project where um, we were dealing with rural development and land reform and working with the Department of Public Works. And basically, the, the key thing there is many people were given homes with title deeds that had servitudes and mineral rights underneath them that they weren't aware of. And some of these title deeds were written so old that the measurements were um, in nodes at Morgan's, not even in square meters. So the point the point being taken is that, um, you know, the history of ownership with regards to black people and just property ownership and land ownership has never really been designed for black people. So, you know, hence I say that uh, it's very crucial that we even know how big is our space, you know, how big is the land that you own, do you understand that? Um, so just on with regards to rural rural land, um, definitely it's, it's a good idea, but you need to understand, um, you know, what are the bulk water supplies, you know, what are what is the electricity coming through there? In places like Congo, you can pick up pieces of lands for like 10,000 rand, 20,000 rand, really, really cheap if you know the inside guy. But what often happens is that one guy will then come up with a tender to provide water to all of those pieces of land that are there and you have no control over that. So things like that are, are quite crucial, if I can add. And um, just personally, I, I picked up a piece of land in the Western Cape about an hour and 45 minutes out of Cape Town. And part of the motivation for there was um, I could build whenever I wanted to build. So there is no limitation to when you want to build. It's a, it's a enclosed estate. Um, you build, you know, and, and I think that's the difference with here in Johannesburg. A lot of places give you very tight restrictions to when you must start building, for example, in waterfall. And um, so things like that are also important just to consider, okay, what is the long-term plan to, with regards to this property um, and when you want to build, you want those kind of pressures. And lastly, if you're staying in an enclosed estate, um, you know, thinking about the body corporate and the rules, I know it's been mentioned already, but those things are quite crucial with regards to even internet providers. You know, when you're frustrated, there's nothing you can do. When the power goes out and you want to plug in your own generator to, you know, to your main switch, you, there's limitations to what you can do there. So you really have to think about the simple everyday basics, like everybody else has stated, but really more, um, not just from your tenant's point of view, but also from a professional point of view as well. Uh, I think anything else I say above that will be repeating what the gentlemen have said, but um, <clears throat> I think I'll, I'll cap my contribution there, Peter. Thanks for the chance. Oh, appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's at least, you know, getting a different perspective and understanding the rural side as well in terms of property. Ayanda, and uh, maybe just to extend the question now to a different narrative, and Olivier and Patlek also spoke about this, and maybe this is something I'm sure you saw some of the questions I was going to ask about discrimination, you know, and Olivier spoke about the issues around Black people and property and understanding the dynamics, property, land space, costs, and so forth. And there's a question that's raised about, is there issues around discrimination when it comes to property um, in terms of getting loans? getting property in certain spaces, do you do Black people, and maybe this is a question, I'm not sure, do Black people, or whether it's based on your sex, your religion, so forth, is there any form of discrimination that tends to be seen in the space of property? You know, if you want to go live in Waterfall, you want to go live in, I don't know, in, in, in central free states, in a small town, it's predominantly Afrikaner. In your in your view, do you think there's issues around discrimination that one can face when it comes to property? Uh, yeah. tough, tough, tough question, Peter. Um, what can I say? Uh, 
You know, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not too sure, but I, I, I've had a, um, a couple of encounters, um, you know, situations in the past. So I, I think it, it might be, I don't know, systemic in a way, because I remember I had a situation a couple of months ago. So uh, I, I work for a 100% black-owned uh, real estate agency. We've got a, a bond originator, you know, in-house. So in a situation where a client was applying for a bond for 1.1 million, um, and then uh, our bond originator, who's black, uh, you know, you know, applied for, tried to apply for a loan for this for for, for this uh, client, and you know, all banks basically declined. She, she she couldn't get the loan for the for for the client, and the client went to a different uh, bond originator who's actually white, a white firm, and within two days it got 100% uh, bond. So you know, I, I don't know whether it was coincidence or what happened, but uh, it really raises a bit of uh, you know uh, you know uh, I don't know red flag or whatever. Um, so and then in, in terms of. Um, it's quite systemic, man. It's, uh, you know, it's different neighborhoods. So, for example, um, I live in Morningside. It's quite a, it's like a, a suburb in, in Durban. So you'll find that most of the real estate agents are, you know, are white. And then maybe, uh, you know, uh, what can I say? Blacks could be uh, afraid to approach uh, white real estate agents. So, for example, I've got a couple of properties I'm selling in, in, in Morningside. And then... Most of my clients are black. Most of clients who's going to, who are going to contact me are black. Understand? And then uh, I don't know. So it, it's quite it, it's quite tricky, man. It's uh, it's it's I could say it's systemic, you know. But I, I think in terms of you getting a bond or not, I, I don't I don't really think it's it, they discriminate. It depends on who's doing the business for you. Because at the end of the day, banks want to make money. Understand? A bank won't not grant you a loan because you are black. Banks want to make money, so they will give you that that, uh, that loan. But I, I don't know, man. I, I guess it depends on who's asking on your behalf. So maybe, yeah. maybe just to answer the question on that, yeah. Thanks, Yanda. Right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a very complex, it's a very touchy subject for, and it's very difficult to navigate. Um, I know Katleko, you want to leave early, so let me just give you your last parting words, obviously. But just to add on to the question about discrimination, um, even relative to costs, is, is you know, some someone asked me a question like, you know, there was a, a a training. I don't know if it's a topic or someone was training about certain banks give black people higher interest rates. I mean, you the rate you're charged, you just get charged higher for some reason. Is there any truth to this? Um, but even how do you even navigate issues around making sure that you know you, you get your fair deal in terms of pricing? Okay. Um, so, so, so Peter, the, the matter you're referring to is a matter of FMB, and it actually went up to the um, constitutional court, where the, uh, where the courts actually found that um, there was no discrimination based on, on, on the race, but uh, race or gender. Uh, but what we, what I can um, speak about is what the banks actually look at. And obviously, I'm not privy to the fact that they looked at race, gender, or, or, or sex. But what 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 
we need to educate people on is the fact that the credit score is paramount to them getting what exactly the, the funding that they need. And I think based based on the fact that, um, and I think uh, Sebastian touched on this, is that we need to look at your consumer habits six months prior to you getting um, or thinking about getting a, a bond because the, the the bank statements in which you submit is, is exactly what the banks look for for to actually give you that equity that you're looking for. So, yeah, I would say that the banks, I, I, can't, I can't speak on the discrimination part, but based on what the court said is that um, FMB did not have... Uh, Thanks, Katleb. I really appreciate the contribution. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's definitely something, at least now we know uh, what exactly is the courts have ruled upon in terms of that aspect. Yeah. But is this still yeah. a necessary discussion to kind of understand exactly um, yeah. Sebastian, I don't know if you want to add on to the context about uh, discrimination. Sorry, Peter, perhaps, uh, yeah, just before I leave, perhaps, um, because I'm, I, I need to go to another meeting. Yes. If you can perhaps share everyone's details um, um, that was on the forum, it would be good because it seems like we all have something in common and maybe we can learn from each other post this, this, this uh, podcast. Uh, definitely. I was actually planning just obviously you're leaving early. I'm going to share at least everyone's contacts and email addresses um, in case cell phone numbers and you just let me know if you wanted me to share that as well. And then, yeah, if social medias or whatever the case is. So at least you guys can obviously engage each other because uh, you can see there's just different people in different spaces uh, that have interest in property. So I would definitely do that. But I really appreciate your contribution. Uh, but I will let you know. Perfect. Thanks, thanks guys, and all the best. No, cheers, cheers. Cheers. Now, um, Sebastian, you had the question about discrimination. Um, and I know you obviously raised your book about the Jason Lee that <laughs> Tabor spoke about. So I see you have a copy for yourself there. <laughs> uh, but just to speak about discrimination, maybe just to go to the last topic, and this is the last question, then we can at least wrap it up. There's the, obviously the topic around discrimination, uh, but maybe it's just not discrimination, just the familiarity of property that Black people are disadvantaged by virtue of education, as Tabo has spoken about, as everyone else has spoken about. In your view, how do we navigate past this? And this is maybe just the last aspect of this kind of discussion. Now I'll add a bit more to some of the other questions as I'm going to other people. How do we navigate to a space where Black people are more familiar with the understanding of property? And is there danger of being misguided in the property space if you are a Black person versus someone who comes from a different race, gender or so forth, you know. What is your view on that? Yeah, uh, thank you for the question. Thank you for the question. Uh, this, is, this is something we need to discuss, really. I mean, look, uh, one would be quite ignorant if we didn't, uh, you know, really, you know, believe this matters. I mean, there's, there, there is discrimination. I mean, there's discrimination everywhere. Like, there is discrimination in properties and banking everywhere, you know. So we just need to be, you know, smart about it and know how to navigate around it. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Olivier, you know, Olivier, you know, uh, well, as you know, uh, Olivier is a friend of mine. So he mentioned the property, he, I mean, the land he owns uh, in uh uh, in how and how from Cape Town, you know, it's predominantly white. You know, uh, I believe Oliver's the only black guy there who owns the land. <laughs> so yeah, so I was there, right? I was there, and obviously the you know the agent is a white lady, and uh, I mean for me it depends where you go because I I assume you know uh, I, I I wasn't gonna be discriminated because uh, I actually you know asked the lady if I can buy a property cash, 
I mean, a land cash, you know, it was roughly, you know, 650. Uh, and then she brought it down to 450 cash. Like, oh, wow, uh, that should be, you know, uh, no, pretty cool. And I was actually expecting, you know, like, you know, the price to be raised because, well, this young black people, you know, trying to buy something in cash. So in my mind, she was assuming you can't afford it. Right. But nothing like that happened, actually. Uh, well, for me, it's really like how you approach the people, you know, uh, but there is discrimination for sure. But now, look, I haven't been discriminated as far as I know. But uh, for me, it all comes down to how you approach, you know, like, you know, uh, certain individuals like in this industry. You know, like discrimination will, will be always be there, you know, and we just have to be smart and, uh, you know, know how to counterattack, you know, you know, such, you know, such such individuals. Uh, so for me, it's how you approach a situation, really. And uh, and know, again, know your thing. You know, do your homework, uh, the due diligence, you know, uh, you know, surrounding all this, you know, all this, uh, 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 all this market. Yeah, for me, look, uh, discrimination laws there. And definitely we are always on the, you know, on the handicap. We, we're always handicapped, you know. And when I say we, we as black people, you know. And uh, obviously... Uh, Cutler uh, probably said it in a different way, but obviously, uh, black people are always disadvantaged. You know, like you find yourself having a, a black bond uh, originator being always declined. You know, next thing you know, when they approach a white one, you know, is immediately approved. So come on, you know, <laughs> you need to be a scientist to understand that or to believe that. But yeah, look, man, it's about how you approach it. Know who to deal with. It's always good to sometimes involve the white people because they're the ones who own the system, you know, and that's just, uh, you know, the truth. So we just have to, you know, be smart, you know, stop whining, you know, go and get your cheese, you know, and yeah, when I say cheese, everything, man, like you have to, you know, stop complaining and whining using, you know, uh, uh, discrimination or racism as excuse, you know. So look, this is, this is how the system is, you know, so we have to come up and, you know, uh, unite ourselves and be smart enough to, to know how to navigate for this. And uh, yeah, so be smart, know how to, you know, to, you know, to interact and know to, you know, to whom we speak to and know the system and all the people involved. And yeah, I mean, uh, just know how to approach, you know, uh, you know, such, uh, you know, such, such, uh, such deals and all that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thanks, Sebastian. Uh, Mukit, um, you've obviously heard the discussion, obviously, just to wrap up the conversation. Um, and just out of interest, I was actually hoping because I'd invited two female property owners. Uh, one is investing, the other one is more in residential. And this question about discrimination, just the challenges was also something that relates to them, uh, especially when you see that in some aspects, you know, it's in some areas and even career-wise, with this male-dominated, uh, something I was hoping to ask them, just the experiences, because they did know some of these concerns. But in terms of your parting words, and you've heard the issues around discrimination, um, about issues around just being educated, location, what is one thing that you feel is important for at least a young person who's just to hear your last parting words around property and what kind of knowledge would you want to impart to them in a brief uh, expression? What exactly would you like to share? I think what I'd like to share is just, it might seem like repetition, but it's so important. It's about doing your homework, right? Because if you're going to buy a car, you already know what type of car you're looking for. You know, you know what liters you're going to go for. You are so, you know, embedded in it and you really understand what 
that would look like, you know, currently moving forward. So even with property, it should be exactly the same way. Property is not something that's just readily available for everybody to have access to. So you need to understand what are like what are the blockers and what are the things or hurdles that you need to go through for you to actually get it. And the major one is actually capital, right? I mean, it's it's all great. Um, people can be able to have access in terms of viewing property. You can have apps and see the properties and whatnot. But chances are you might not have, you know, the ability to actually go and actually grab that property. So it's about the capital. So you need to figure out how that's going to be, you know, you like the cash flow in your space. Is it going to be via credit or is it going to be via cash because you are liquid like that? And take those things into account. So if you're going to go to a credit system, like understand already that's a system in its own, um, you know, and it has its own rules and there's also a lot of requirements that we don't really talk about that. I mean, a lot of people, they don't even know what the credit score is, right? And they might feel that maybe they're being discriminated against because um, they feel like they pay all of their debt. But guess what? Even if you pay all of your debt, one of the indicators as part of like your credit score is exposure. So if you've got a, like a lot of like exposure in terms of debt, even if you're paying it and you're up to date, you never missed a payment, exposure is a risk factor because it means that you're highly geared and you know, like your leverage is actually quite high. And remember that debt is a committed cost. And therefore, if something happens, then that means, especially if you don't have multiple income streams, um, then you are a bit riskier. And therefore, as a result, you know, whoever your financial institution, depending on their risk profile, because remember different financial institutions will have different risk profiles, depending on the risk profile, they will definitely put a cost to you. So if you're high, uh, high risk, but they're willing to give you, it's going to come at a cost. So the, your interest rate is going to really be like a bit higher. So those are the things that people need to actually educate themselves. And guess what? That will help them in other aspects of their lives as well, because, you know, cash and credit is something that we're definitely going to live with for a very long time, especially being part of like the middle class. So you would be very you know, unwise not to invest in understanding what that looks like and what really goes into owning property. And speaking about, you know, discrimination, I just feel like um, it, it's very unconstitutional to do that. And it would be very silly of like a financial institution to go that route. But like the other, you know, um, you know, um, colleagues actually just spoke about the fact that it is systematic. I mean, you cannot really, um, you know, ignore the fact that you know being black comes with certain you know disadvantages sometimes which is really unfair and also being female comes with certain disadvantages uh, being female as well so i would like say people must just do the homework really understand 360 view of what they're getting themselves into and because people just think oh i've got property i've got assets it's not an asset up until it pays for itself or it starts to generate income or equity right so if you haven't paid for it, it's a debt. It's a debt that you need to service. Your net asset value is sitting at a negative. And that can be a blocker for other things as well that you want to do in the future. You know, um, if it means you um, have to, um, you know, get, you know, um, uh, as you have like a bigger family, um, you know, that comes as a cost as well. So make sure that you do your homework, understand, understand what it means if you pay double your installment, how much, how many years does this uh, shave off? I mean, just generally on a 12-year 
um, property or like a mortgage loan, um, uh, or, sorry, like a 20-year rather, you're looking at about 12 years, seven months that you're paying in terms of uh, interest. So that's like, you have not even touched like the capital. And, you know, yes, uh, with COVID, you know, the interest rates have been the lowest in a very long time. And therefore, some people have been saying, oh, it's a buyer's market. But is it really the buyer's market when the market already in terms of employment is not really uh, secure? Anything can happen, right? And you end up finding yourself in a situation where you committed money and you spent money that you can't actually recoup back. So I think people just need to understand what they're getting themselves into. It's just like a relationship, right? You need to know who your partner is, what they're all about, uh, what makes them tick, what makes them smile and all of that. Because it's such an important concept because it's going to be with you for the rest of, uh, for a long time in your life. I mean, it's not really like the rest of your life. And also consider age as well because you sometimes get people that, you know, would want to at 30, they want to get into a 30-year mortgage loan term. And then it's like, okay, you're about to retire. So meaning all your working life, if you're not going to make changes in terms of your payments, you're literally going to be paying, you know, um, for this particular property. And the young kids, they don't stay in places for a very long time. So maybe you rent out. I mean, if you're literally going to buy a place and sell it within two years, chances are you're not going to make money. You might actually make a loss. But it's costs that you don't really consider, like your transfer duties, your lawyer's fees and maintenance that actually came into that. So, so renting is not such a bad idea if you're not ready to settle because you don't know what's going to happen in the next five years where your kids are going to go to school. I mean, you don't want to put that burden or pressure of driving long distance for your kids to go to school. So I think understand what you're getting yourself into, really. Like really understand and consider all the things that the guys have actually spoken about. The tax planning is such an important one that a lot of Black people don't speak about. There's a lot of opportunities there that we can actually um, you know, leverage from and whatnot. So yeah, so education, 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 and let's not have that narrative of being the victim because sometimes it does nothing for us really. Um, but yeah. yeah. <clears throat> that was that was very, very yeah, loud gems spoken today. And I think when you spoke about the whole 30 year thing, you know, when you think about it in hindsight or you just think in reflection that 30 years is a long time and for you to pay a bond if you're not really well thought, you know, you know, like you mentioned, relationship, you know, you have to think thoroughly exactly to what exactly does, does it require for me in a relationship, especially long term. Uh, but, you know, it's an interesting comparison. You know, I think it's, it quite, it's quite unique and important. Tabo, what are your parting words in terms of just the issue around young people and entering to property? Um, you've obviously heard around just the things we need to take note of. Example, credit score, you know, those things that are important to take note of. And I mean, I had a lot of questions I wanted to ask you guys, but for the sake of time, I mean, there was one question around life insurance um, and how to use that with property. There's also a question around um, if you're married and committed to property, what does that mean in terms of property? You know, until now, in relationships, you're just dating, or can you enter into those kind of questions that you can ask? But in your view, what are your parting words that you think as a young person, someone's going to definitely view this and is going to say, Tabo, please drop the bar for me before you leave. What exactly do you want to share? Tell me. Switch on your mind. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think we'll need uh, another session. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, we, we spoke a lot about um, 
asset acquisition. Um, we need to touch a lot again with asset protection, meaning now you've acquired the property, how do you protect it? Especially when you're applying for your, 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 your investor, you want to buy properties, do you buy it in your own name, do you buy it in a company, or do you buy it in a trust? So now you've, you've identified that you want to buy an asset, but now how are you going to protect the, 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 the strategy? You need to, uh, I mean, the, 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 the asset. We, we need to speak about uh, financial literacy is key. Um, um, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Robert Kiyosaki always, 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 always touches touch, touch that it's not taught in school. And it's something that should be in the curriculum, but financial literacy is not taught in school. But however, I, I guess at this stage, you just depend on the, on the parents. The parents um, 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 should be the one teaching you in terms of how to manage money, how to uh, uh, make your money grow. Now, um, we've identified that you know the real estate is one of the, 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 the assets that you need to venture to. Now, you need to bear in mind when you're buying an, a property that it's, it's an illiquid investment, you can't go next week and say, no, I want my money back. I want my money out of like It's an illiquid, it's, it's a long-term investment. However, there's other ways of going around whereby you can buy stocks in real estate, meaning there's other funds that are available on stock and, all, and, 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 and JSEs and all that kind of stuff. But then you can also invest in the physical property itself, but diversify your portfolio. Now we were speaking the, the, the earlier about uh, rural investing in gas and all that kind of stuff. Now I would, as an investor, diversify my, 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 my portfolio a bit. Yes, I'll have uh, urban, because urban, that's where the jobs is at. That's where the money is at. And then in the Ekasi, there's always, there's a market there. Hence, that's why um, um, Turf, I don't know, you you know Turf. Turf has has has, has this product called Umastand, whereby you own a property in, in Ekasi, and then they, 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 they renovate or build rooms for you. So that's 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 uh, as an investor, I would diversify my portfolio, not look at one direction or all that kind of stuff. I also look even in 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 in, in rural in rural as as we we spoke we spoke earlier. Um, depending on what you study, what you want to do. Um, in rural, whether it's agricultural holdings, maybe you want to um, uh, do livestock investing or whatever, just so buy land so you can have livestock. So it's it's. Financial literacy is definitely important. So, um, as you, you want to venture into a market, uh, property market, you want to venture into this investment uh, uh, industry. Number one is you definitely, as as we've been mentioned, I've been saying education is key. Then the other one, you need to have a team. You need to have a team of like your likes of Catlejos, your your your, your transfer attorneys, um, people who specialize in, in tax. You need to have uh, a real estate agent who knows the market and they can teach you uh, uh, how does the market go and all that kind of stuff. You 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 you, you yeah. The, the, the attorney would in terms of drafting uh, contracts, uh, drafting agreements, protecting you, protecting the seller, protecting the buyer. Uh, uh, so you need to have a, a team uh, uh, before. It, before uh, venturing in, 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 into the property industry, you just need to uh, have people who can be able to, um, um, yeah. So that's what I can say. Thanks, Tabo, for that. You know, you know, when you were mentioning team, I was just thinking back to one of the previous episodes where we talked about circles and just networking. And, you know, we also had a previous discussion about black young entrepreneurs and we we're talking about how do you network and grow your business? and one person was saying that, how do I grow my business, Kokasi, if my friends are all 
Let's name my my other friend is a, is a DJ, upcoming DJ, and issues around like you spoke about financial literacy is not something that's common around a circle like that. So how do you shift or grow a circle that is also advantageous in terms of entering into growing your wealth, managing money? I think those are things that as young people from a young age, it's important to start thinking about things. Who do you surround yourself with? What kind of conversations are you having with your friends about money, your future, you know, and those kind of things. But I think, you know, I have so many questions I want to ask guys, but I think for the sake of time, I'll, I'll end it here, but I hope and I'll make sure at least we have a second and maybe just speak to another dynamic because property is just one aspect of financial management and just assets. There's also investing, stocks, and so many other aspects that relate to just growing your wealth as an individual, or just having something to your name. And obviously, the issue around assets liability is something that at least he's now informed that, you know, just getting a property is not necessarily an asset per se. You know, you just don't get the idea, oh, I'm going to, I see, a, and, and I got, I won the lotto, so I'm just going to, you know, rush and just get everything to my name and think I'm, I'm just good. We're going to debt. That's now where you speak about liabilities. But I think those kind of conversations are important to have. But I appreciate you guys at least touching a lot of issues that even myself personally, I wasn't aware of. Um, there was a question around credit. I wanted to go deep into how to improve one's credit score. But I think we can maybe have that in a different discussion. I think each of you in contributing that other discussion should we have it in the close future. But hopefully in the, in the near future, we'll definitely do. But I think for my side, I sincerely appreciate you guys at least joining the podcast. By the OFS Collector. By the OFS Collector. By the OFS Collector. By the OFS Collector. By the OFS Collector.